After what seems to be a very long hiatus, the Community Arts Centre stage will welcome back the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra on Tuesday, October the 26th at 7.30. This musical celebration, under the direction of the music director, Gerardo Edelstein, will include the Carnival Overture by Antonin Dvorak, the Celtic-influenced Flute Concerto by Christopher Rouse, and Beethoven's beloved Symphony No. 6, The Pastoral. The featured soloist will be Williamsport Symphony Orchestra's own flutist, Reuben Council. I had the opportunity to speak recently by phone to the music director of the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra, Gerardo Edelstein. Some of the music that we are performing, it's been already programmed pre-pandemic. So it's great that we decided to keep some of those works because I think that the audience needs to, to hear this music. Um, and especially after such a long uh, hiatus where, you know, nothing was happening. I mean, you may remember that the symphony did something very small in June just to get people excited about the upcoming season. We put together a, a very short concert with small groups and the attendance was great and people got, again, you know, so so excited that the symphony is back on track and, you know, people may take this for granted, but the fact that uh, we survived, like many other arts or, uh, organizations survive through these really, you know, hard times is, is something, you know, not only unbelievable and, and so precious and so wonderful that uh, we all need to cherish that, that we were able to continue working and doing what we could during this period. And the support we got from our board of directors, our sponsors, and, you know, the people, you know, our regular audience, they just wanted to keep the symphony alive and they continue their support. And here we are now ready to come back on stage and uh, with the full orchestra and on October 26 and offer an unbelievable program. I have to confess, Fiona, it's a very difficult one, but it's great. We are so excited uh, about this that, you know, we already started working hard, each in, uh, musician in the orchestra on their own. So the program will include so three pieces. Uh, we will start with the... Uh, Carnival Overture by Antonin Dvorak. You know, I probably don't have to say too much about Dvorak being one of the greatest romantic composers of the 19th century, that America had uh, the luck to have him here for three years. He was director of the National Conservatory of Music in New York. And actually this piece, the Carnival Overture, was composed during that period. And it's a very lively overture, you know, with all these incredible, beautiful tunes, beautiful melodies like Dvorak always will give us on pretty much every work. You know, I have to say this, uh, Fiona, the, the audience will, will love to hear this, that Brahms, the great Brahms, who is the one who actually helped Dvorak in his career, one time said, I wish I could write melodies as beautiful as Dvorak uh, writes. People will appreciate that, and, and, and this happens in pretty much every single work. I wanted to say about Dvorak, when you know classical music, when you listen to it a lot, you get to know a composer and you get to know the pieces. 
Dvorak seems to be one of those composers who, the first time you hear one of his pieces, it sticks with you. Exactly. What is? How did he manage that? Yeah, but you know, uh, it, it's a great question. I mean, you know, his tunes are catchy. Uh, you know, one of those that you don't have to know music to, you know, uh, go to a concert, leave the concert, and keep singing those tunes. Of course, we all know the famous going home from, you know, the Symphony of the New World, the Symphony Number no. Nine, or uh, some of the tunes of the Cello Concerto. You know, the also the Carnival Overture, the Slavonic dances. There is some of folk music in there, but uh, you know, the, these tunes are so harmonic and so beautifully crafted that. Um, it's easy for even non-music people to do a concert and, and leave the concert singing those tunes over and over. You know, and, and I couldn't think of uh, um, you know, another work to start our concert because it's so festive and so uh, exciting. You know, it sets the mood for the concert, sets the mood for the entire season. It is a celebration piece. Then we are going to something totally, I want to say the opposite. Christopher Rouse uh, was an American composer who unfortunately passed very recently, like two years ago. You know, the, the thing is that when we programmed this piece, it was when he got sick and we lost him. And so it would have been a great way to honor him in that year. But, you know, that's why one of the reasons I wanted to keep this piece in our program, and, and of course, Ruben Council was already ready, ready to play, and he's excited to join the orchestra for this performance as a soloist, because you know that he's the principal flutist of, of the Williamsburg Symphony. So Christopher Rouse wrote this piece. It was a commission by the principal flutist of the Detroit Symphony, and it's uh, a piece that has some Celtic influence, as he says. He states in the score, and I will read it, you know, what he wrote in there. He says, although both of my parents' families immigrated to America well before the Revolutionary War, I nonetheless still feel a deep ancestral tag of recognition whenever I'm exposed to the arts and traditions of the British Isles, particularly those of Celtic origin. Perhaps the Junjian concept of genetic memory is at work here, but the kingship I feel with this heritage, reflected in musical sources as distinct in Irish folk songs, Scottish bagpipe music, and English coronation marches, never fails to summon forth from me a profoundly intense reaction of both recognition and homesickness. This is what he writes at the beginning of the score. And we can hear, I mean, uh, you have to look for those melodies influenced by Celtic music. But one of the movements that it's more inspiring, but at, I mean, at the, same, the same time a very, very tragic, is the middle movement that it calls Elegy. This one is dedicated to the memory of James Bolger. I don't know if some, some people may remember the story. This was a toddler that was murdered by two teenagers, and it, this affected deeply Christopher Rouse as he was writing the music. And it's incredibly powerful music. Of course, it's sad, it's tragic, and, you know, it's just to remind ourselves that uh, we live in a difficult world, and... We have to pay homage to those people who didn't survive, who didn't make it. The movements that precede 
uh, this tragic elegy. One, it's a march, and the one that after this elegy is a scherzo. Those are very difficult, very fast-paced and uh, exciting movements that, you know, shows all the uh, virtuosity and everything that the flute can do, pretty much. And I'm sure Ruben will show all those skills. Uh, He has been with the symphony for several years. We are lucky to have him, and I can't wait to, to collaborate with, with him on this powerful piece. And as I said, very contrasting to, to the Dvorak, or very contrasting to the pastoral symphonies. In your audience, you have people who are music lovers and who are very, very open and who go to a lot of concerts, but you're also going to have in your audience people who are a little bit, you know, they're not, they don't know a huge amount about classical music and whenever they see a composer they don't know they're a little bit scared of modern composers and I think it's very clever that you sandwiched Christopher Rouse in between Dvorak and Beethoven but it sounds like Christopher Rouse is not going to be challenging for people Yes, well, you know, I think that telling these stories probably will help, you know, the influence of Celtic music, the idea of a piece that not only just an abstract uh, classical uh, piece, but but has some really very important message. It's written with lots of feelings, and even though it has perhaps strange harmonies, people will find it very accessible comparing to other more contemporary or avant-garde works. As you know, Fiona, we always have a pre-concert lecture. You know, all this music will be explained. I will explain on stage as well. You know, Gary Burkle, who does this introduction, he's great of getting people familiar with the music. And it's important the way we introduce to the audience these works. If you come with the concept that oh, this is going to be hard, difficult, contemporary, something that I will not understand, that I was, I'm sure I will not like, then, of course, you won't <laughs> like. But if you come to the concert open-minded, and that's what I would emphasize, and try to associate the music with the events that I described and to something that is happening in the world uh, these days and, and, and enjoy the conversation between the flute, the different instruments, the colors. This piece has a lot of percussion. And people will, will love to hear all those combinations and those different colors. You know, the way the, the piece is crafted and is built from the beginning to the end, I, I think it's going to be very, very successful. And, of course, it really helps that Ruben Council, he's a musician that we know and we love. It's going to help <laughs> that he's Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah, I always say, you know, just enjoy the ride. Come uh, and get surprised, get moved, get shaken or, you know, fall in love or whatever sentiment or whatever mood you want to get into this. But be, be ready to get surprised and be open to absorb, you know, this, this new piece that is, it is amazing. I mean, it's very, very powerful, very challenging and very moving at the same time. Now, talking about getting moved, I know that I am not alone in that one of my earliest memories as a little girl was dancing in my living room to the <laughs> Symphony Number no. 6, the pastoral. It's so beloved. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know there are many other people out there going, me too, me too. Yeah, and me too. <laughs> I am also 
I, I will never forget, you know, there was only one movie theater in Buenos Aires, where, you know, I was born, only one movie theater that would show Disney movies. And every time that, you know, a new movie would come out, um, uh, of course, the lines would form at the movie theater and, you know, full of kids, excited about new movies. And yes, and, and you know, I'm talking about Fantasia. And it was one of my favorite parts from Fantasia, you know, the pastoral symphony. And, you know, who cannot fall in love with those tunes? You know, it, it is Beethoven, uh, perhaps first, what, what we call programmatic music. You know, it's something that Beethoven particularly, he wasn't interested because at the beginning of the piece, he said, my music is not really programmatic, but it's mostly uh, an expression of feeling than painting. It's more the expression of feeling than painting. So he didn't want to tell his story, a particular story with this symphony, but, but he was a man of nature. He loved nature. He loved to go for walks in, you know, outside and, and, uh, and enjoy nature. He said, well, I don't write a symphony uh, with some of those things that I see, like uh, awakening of cheerful feelings on arrival in the countryside. That's how we call the first movement. And the second movement is seen by the brook or the scherzo that he called it Merry Gathering of Country Folk. And then the fourth movement, it's the big storm that leads straight to the last movement that is the shepherd's song, cheerful and thankful feelings after the storm. So this is the first time that a symphony actually lay out this way, which is each movement as a title and is so connected to nature. What is also interesting as the piece was premiered together with his symphony number no. five in a huge concert, very, very long concert. Who knows if people really paid attention to every movement and how great this symphony is because on those events you know that will last five or six hours a lot of music was played and probably the performance was under rehearsed and and who knows if beethoven uh, was was really happy about what happened but think about today you know the pastoral being one of the most popular symphonies ever written and who cannot recognize, you know, talking about melodies when we talked earlier about Dvorak, uh, catchy melodies, who cannot leave the hall without singing some of the melodies in this in beautiful, so well-crafted symphony, right? Absolutely, and I still will always picture myself as a very small girl dancing. And I do have to ask, did the very small boy Gerardo Edelstein, did he pretend to conduct? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't in my blood yet. What was in my blood was music. Music, you know, since I, I, I can remember. Music was always in my, you know, in my body, in my blood, in my heart. My sister, who liked to dance, we would dance to music. Uh, we would sing a lot. And in my house, I uh, remember uh, having all those LPs that, uh, you know, the young people won't remember unless they, you know, they go to vintage stores because sometimes there is a little bit of... Uh, 
uh, resurface of those, you know, vinyl uh, recordings, right? So I remember having at home a lot of those, and we'll put those LPs with classical music, and we'll, we'll dance, we'll sing, and that's pretty much how I got uh, more into classical music, just by listening, listening to music. I, I was very lucky to be exposed to classical music. My, my parents will take me to concerts uh, as well. But, you know, I, I do remember that uh, movie theater, and I remember getting so excited to go, you know, watching all the uh, these Disney movies, and in particular Fantasia, because of the variety of music in there, and the section with the pastoral is so lovely that I would never forget that experience. Classical music is alive. I don't believe in anything that they say that uh, it's dying or anything else like that. The classical music, it's alive. It will be alive. It's just uh, our responsibility to keep teaching our, our children or other people, you know, other adults who didn't show interest until now and, and explain and show and, and share with them our passion classical music, why we love it so much, why we dedicate our entire lives being part of this, of uh, the classical music, and get everybody excited and uh, encourage them to, to listen to these incredible masterworks and pieces of, of art, you know, will last uh, forever. And I think the best exposure is to come out and enjoy the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra. When can we see the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra and experience this wonderful concert. Please come to the Community Arts Center on Tuesday, October 26 at 7.30 p.m. to experience this incredible music making by our wonderful musicians of the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra. Gerardo Edelstein, music director of the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra. Speaking about the first concert in a new season of five concerts for the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra, which will take place on Tuesday, October the 26th at 7.30pm at the Community Arts Centre. The music celebration will include the Carnival Overture by Antonin Dvorak, the Flute Concerto by Christopher Rouse, and Beethoven's Symphony No. 6, The Pastoral. For tickets... Call 570-326-2424 or visit caclive.com. Thank you very much to Gerardo Edelstein. And thanks to you, WVIA's Fiona Powell.